On that note, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 16, verse 1. Somebody say the shrewd manager. Amen. Say it now shrewdly. Say the shrewd manager. I'm going to make this parable come alive to you today with God's help and the Holy Spirit. Today you're going to learn another parable from the Bible. Jesus loved telling parables. This whole series has been called the parables of Jesus. The first parable I talked about was what? Who remembers? Oh, the sower of the seeds. Thank you, my brother. The second parable was on what? The Good Samaritan in today's parable is on the shrewd manager. If you don't know what that word shrewd means, you're not alone. I didn't either. I had to look it up. I'm going to give you the definition in just a little bit. Look with me to Luke chapter 16, verse 1. Follow with your notes. You're going to enjoy today's message. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager accused him of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Everybody say shrewdly. Thank you. For the people of this world are more shrewd. Everybody say shrewd. Thank you. The people of this world are more shrewd and they're dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and what? Money. Thank you. The Pharisees who loved, what did they love? Money. Who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your heart. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. Can you say amen for his word? Today you are hearing the words of Jesus 2,000 years later, loud and clear. This parable to us is so applicable that it's going to deal with every part of your life. I want to just summarize exactly what was going on here and to give you the definition of that word shrewd. A rich man accused his manager of wasting his possessions. 
Now, if you don't know what a manager is, it's someone who works for a boss or an owner and oversees and governs the job, the resources, the company. How many know what a manager is? We got that, right? So this manager is basically brought in before his boss and said, you're not doing a good job. You're wasting your time on the job. The second thing that you find out is that this manager fears becoming a beggar and goes to the rich man's debtors and cuts deals with him. How many would not want to be fired? This man did not want to be fired. So what does he think to himself? Well, if I get fired here, I could probably be a beggar. Okay, don't want to do that. I could go dig ditches. No, I'm not strong enough for that. Oh, I got an idea. How about I go to all of my boss's customers who owe him money and cut deals with them so that when I get fired, I'll go work for them. How many think that was pretty shrewd? He was using his thinker on that one, wasn't he? It's a little dishonest, but he was shrewd. Now, remember, this is not my parable. Who's telling the parable? Jesus. So he's wanting you to see that this man was actually good for using his thinker. Go to verse three, uh, number three. The rich man commends the manager for his shrewd actions. Now, some people say, is Jesus asking us to be dishonest? Because wasn't it dishonest in, in one sense? If I went and worked for a car company and people who had bought cars there owed $300 a month on the cars that they were leasing. If I was brought in and reprimanded for not doing a good job, and I said to myself, hmm, I might as well go make my friend, myself friends with Ted, who owns a corner store and owns a Lexus, I'll cut his bill in half. How many know if I go tell him, you're only going to owe the dealership 150 a month, how many know that's a little dishonest? Does anybody know that? Okay. But why was the master commending him. Why did the boss say, hey, that was actually a good idea, even though it was dishonest? I want you to look again at the passage. Look at Luke 16. In your Bibles, it won't be on the karaoke screen. I want you to look there and hear exactly what the manager says. Luke chapter 16, verse 8, the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Well, here's a good time to get the word shrewd, the de definition. Clever and creative ways of doing things. Let me ask you a question. If somebody owes you $100 and they have owed it to you for like six months and haven't given anything to you, how many would be happy at this point with at least 50? Wouldn't you be happy? You'd be like, okay, just give me 50 bucks. We'll call it even. How many know that debt specialists will tell you on your credit card debt to call your lenders, big companies like Visa and American Express, if you've gone in default and say, here's just what I have. Let's just cut a deal right now. How many know they can actually accept that? That's what debt specialists say. So what is the shrewd manager being rewarded for? He was creative. He was thinking outside the box. He was being uh, resourceful. He actually now was working harder to save his own butt than he was working to make the, man, the rich man money. It's like now that his job is on the line, he actually get up and he did something. We're going to get to that in a little bit, but let's go on to the next thing. Jesus then commands people to use worldly wealth to make friends. 
Isn't that something that Jesus would say that? After this parable, he says, make friends through worldly wealth. Just in case you don't believe he said it, listen to what he says in verse um, 12. Or excuse me, verse 9. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Jesus was saying to them, hey, if you've got money, use your money to make friends. You might say, man, that sounds like bribery, Jesus. Jesus, that sounds kind of like you're paying people to be your friends because you know everybody wants to be your friend when you have money, right? When you're taking them all out to eat, when you're buying stuff, you see these famous uh, football stars traveling around with an entourage. I've actually heard that they have their friends drive all their cars to clubs. I heard this from the, these guys who work at uh, these restaurants. They say, like, when Deion Sanders would come in, he would have, like, five friends. But instead of them riding in one car, each one of them drove one of his cars to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse so that each one could have that, you know, that, that, that sense of I, I'm so important when I walk up in there. Is that what Jesus is saying? No, because in the very next point, he, he, in the very next verses, he makes two points. Be faithful and little and you'll be given much. And don't love or serve money, serve God. So what was the parable about? The parable about, was about simply a manager who was losing his job. He acted creatively, even though he was dishonest, he acted creatively to get himself another job. He's rewarded for that. He's commended for that. And then Jesus says, you in the church, you as the children of the light, need to learn to do the same types of things, but with God. Now look at it in uh, chapter 16. Look at it right here in verse 8. For the people of this world are more shrewd in their dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. He said people in this world are more creative. They're more clever in making money and doing things with it than are the people in the world. I mean, than the people in the church. Let me give you now three truths to know about this. Somebody say, preach it. You're going to... Love this parable if you don't understand it now. Hang on. The first truth that what's the point? Why are you telling us this, Jesus? Because number one, every person like the manager has been given resources and they're responsible for those resources. Do you know that every single one of you have gifts and talents in your life? Every one of you. Every single one of you. Look at the definition of resources. Talents, abilities, and rewards. How many have talents in their life? How many have abilities in their life? How many have a, a reward from using those talents and abilities? You can call it money. You can call it job. You can call it whatever you want. You have those things. Now guess what you have? You have responsibility to govern and to take care of those things. Would Jesus just tell us a parable to waste our time? Did I just waste my time reading you that scripture? Or is there really an important truth behind this? It's a very important truth. And this parable, of course, is not going to make you probably as happy and as excited at first like the Good Samaritan did. And it may not be as obvious to your friends. Like, oh, what did you talk about today? Oh, we talked about the shrewd manager. What? In church? Yeah, we talked about how to use worldly wealth to make friends. What church are you going to? You show, I've actually showed people this parable in the Bible. They didn't even believe me it was there. I'd go like, look, read it. It's actually here. You see, because... God is using this to show us, hey, you've got abilities, 
And you're over those abilities. A word that we use today is called stewardship. Everybody say stewardship. Instead of calling you a manager, I'm going to call you a steward today. You're a steward over your life. You're a steward over your abilities and gifts God has given you. How are you using those abilities? Are you being creative with those abilities right now? Are you being clever with those abilities? Or are you just doing a so-so, blase blah job? Because everybody look up at me. Jesus is not okay with half-hearted effort. You see in the parable that the guy is called into account because he's not using his resources right. So God is not okay with you just giving him half of your time or half of your abilities or half of your talents. God wants you to give him 100%. He does it because he knows the plans that he has for you. How do you know what's in the future? You don't, but God does. How many know in Bible college I had the talent and the ability to be rewarded with a degree? But if I wouldn't have been responsible for that, even though I had the ability, even though I had the talent, I would never have gotten the degree. Therefore, I never would have became a pastor. Therefore, I never would have moved to Chicago. And lastly, I never would have been your pastor. What's it going to look like when we get to heaven and see our life compared to the talents God has given us? Will it be a great day of rejoicing and we say, wow, God, we did so much with your ability? Or will there be a great day of disappointment? Because we let fear get in the way. We let our peers tell us what to do and what we couldn't do. We let the things of this world distract us. And we get up to heaven. And here we see God gave us all the ability. Well, I could have been a great mother, but I never tried. Well, I could have been a great leader, but I never tried. Wow, God, now I see you gave me all this ability. But you know what? It's too late when you're in heaven. You need to be like the manager now who shakes himself and says, Hey, man, I better do something about this. Because God is going to judge me one day. Now, the next point that we see is one of the most important points that Jesus makes in this parable. The people of the world are more clever and creative, shrewd, everybody say shrewd, in their dealings and stewardship with their resources than God's children. Let me give you an example. How many know there's people downtown that after the, the, the business is shut down, everybody's gone home, but they're going to stay late. How many know there's people like that? There's going to be people that are going to stay late. Why are they working so hard? Because they've got to get that vacation. They've got to get that raise. They've got to get that promotion. They've got to get that new boat. And there's people that will take on extra shifts, and they'll work harder, and they'll sacrifice. They'll skip their lunch, and they will go after clients. I mean, I'm telling you, there's people in the business world that are dog-eat-dog. Man, they will do anything to progress further. And yet, the children of God, we're not very tenacious, are we? We just kind of come to church. We just kind of do two hours worth of work for Jesus. And then we'll just use our money on ourselves. Well, somebody might say, well, Pastor, well, it's my money. I can do what I want with it. Yeah, but who gave you the ability to make the money? It was God. And if somebody says, well, you know, I do use God's money for good things. And if I asked you, what do you use it for? Well, my family, my house. Well, you know what? That's great. You're only taking care of you, yourself, and I, me, myself, and I. It's your family. It's your house. God gave you those abilities and resources more for than just you and yourself. But are you and I willing to get out and to work hard for Jesus? 
When was the last time you said to yourself, I'm going to cut back on things so I can give more to missions? See, some of you aren't that shrewd. You haven't been that shrewd with your money, but you'll cut back so you can buy something extra in your home. See, isn't that the example? People will be shrewd in this world to get ahead. Will we be shrewd in this world to do the things of God? How many know right now people are taking off weeks to get off their vacation, to get their vacation time, to go to Disney World? They're putting it in early. Some places they put it in a year early, and they fight for those best days. How many of you have already gone in and requested the Boricua Fest off? Oh, well, come on. That's this church stuff, Pastor. Why should I be so zealous for that? Why? Because it's actually more important than your vacation. It actually is. My friends, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. You see, what we did is we bought hook, line, and sinker into the lie of the devil that says the American dream will make you happy. We've bought hook, line, and sinker into it that if I go to college, I get a good job, I raise my family, my life is golden. And how many know who have reached that place, that does not mean one thing. Just because you have food to give your children doesn't mean your children love you now anymore. Just because you have nice clothes, just because you get your kids Nikes instead of Payless doesn't mean they're going to get better grades in school. Just because you live in the neighborhood you live in with that house does not mean your family and the time you all spend together is any more valuable. As a matter of fact, you've heard the saying, the more stuff you have, the more problems you have. They did a survey in America. Everybody look up at me. They did a survey in America, and they asked two different types of people, what would it take to be rich and enjoy life? They asked the people that were in the lower class. They, they asked them who were making $25,000 a year or less, what would it take for you to be happy? They said about $50,000 a year. We would be happy. That's all we would need. Then they asked the middle class, those who are making around $50,000 to $100,000, the same question. What would you need in life to be happy? How much would you need a year? They said all we would need is about $200,000, a quarter million dollars a year to be happy. This is the statistics. Then they asked the upper middle class, what would you need? They said a million dollars. My friends, how many know it's a fleeting, uh, it's a fleeting trip to go after money that way and to say it makes me happy? You can't grasp happiness through money. It's fleeting. Because once, once you say, well, once we get out of this apartment, we're going to be so much happier. Now you're in a two-bedroom. And you say, well, I'd like to have that three-bedroom. Then you get in that three-bedroom. And then what you're doing is you're just following a culture that's never satisfied. My friends, I want to tell you something to be zealous about. Even more than being zealous about a house, though that's fine. God doesn't want you homeless. Being more zealous than just about having vacations, how about having a godly home? How about being zealous for that? Because the third thing Jesus was teaching is that we will give an account to God for our stewardship. What did you do with your abilities on this earth? Did you just help out the people in your family? I mean, that's great because there are people who neglect their family. Or did you go out beyond your family and help other families? You see, today we don't live in a perfect world. So that means I've got to help mine and help others. That means you've got to do it for you and for others. 
There's a lot of people today in need. And what Jesus was saying is, why is the world so zealous about promotion? Why are they so zealous like this rich man just to make money and we don't do it for the kingdom of God? I want to give you another way to look at this. We today as Christians are rich compared to all the world. Let me ask you if you have one of these. Do you have a car in your family? An automobile? (laughs) You're rich. How many of you have a bed that you and your wife can sleep in by yourselves and children you can sleep in by, you have your own bed? Yeah, we're rich. You're, You're filthy rich. How many have a computer? How many have a cell phone? How many have more than three or four sets of clothes? Do you know that when we went to India, when we were in India, the people that we ministered to literally for five days wore the same outfit the entire time? The entire time for five days. They slept in it. They got up. They showered. They put it back on, wore it for five days. My friends, the average person around the world makes $100 a month. If you were to ask them, do you think Americans are rich? They would say, of course they are. If, we follow, if they followed each one of you around, they would say, I would give anything for that. I was watching a special one time of this family that came here from Mexico, and they started a life, and then they were trying to send them back because they were illegal, and they, they took this uh, camera crew with them, and they said, this is where I left, and they took them back to this village that didn't have running water, that, that didn't have really any amenities. It was like one room and then a bedroom, and they said, this is where we left. Can you, do you want us to come back here? They said, we've worked hard here. We've become rich from where we've left. How can we come back to this? You see, the world looks to America and says, you're rich. And we look at ourselves and we say, we're poor. But no, we're rich. We are rich. But we've lost our focus. You see, what Jesus was saying is, if you're faithful with little, you'll be given much. And if you're faithful with much, you'll be even given more. But if you're not faithful with what you have, how can you ask for more? How can we in this church, come on, just follow me here. How can we in this church come to this altar, tears coming down our eyes, and say, God bless us? He's looking back from heaven going, I've already blessed you. You have a college education. Your children are going to, your girl, your female child actually gets to go to school. Most women around the world don't even get to go to school. See, I know God understands us when we say God bless us. But I think somewhere along the line, God has to be looking back at us going, be faithful with what I gave you. Why should I give you more if you're not faithful with what you have? Why are we asking God for more as if more makes us happy? More doesn't make us happy. We could be happy with less if we knew how to be a good steward over it. Amen? I want to give you some points of action today. Here's four points of action of what you can do to be a shrewd manager with your abilities and talents. Number one. Take inventory of your resources. Ask yourself this question. What talents, gifts, and rewards has God given me? Come on, if you're taking notes, write those down. What do you have as a gift from God? Every one of you has them. 
I've been all around the world, and I've seen people have them. I love when we went to Mexico. You know what? There was people selling stuff, people opening up their homes. Uh, Isha's mom has a corner store with her mother in the Mexico village. We saw store owners there. And you know what? It's kind of like our American pride that would say, oh, these guys are ghetto. No, man, that person who owned that store, man, they were rich for that community. You see, even in India, the ones who sow, they have things. Everybody has gifts and abilities. What are yours? Somebody says, man, I can fix cars. Another person says, man, I can, I can build computers. Another person, I'm a good talker, so I, I'm a salesman. Another person, I'm a good leader. I'm a manager. I work at my company. Another one, I'm creative. I'm on the sales team. Come on, each one of you have gifts and abilities and talents. What are they? You've got to recognize them today because God is going to judge you on what you did with them. Were you clever and creative with your gifts and talents? Were you shrewd? Or did you sit on your gifts and do nothing with them? You see, the Bible says even the wicked, even the worldly people know how to get up and make something happen when they want something bad enough. Why don't we? Come on, Christians, write down your gifts and abilities. Well, pastor, I don't have many. Yes, you do. You have at least ten. At least ten. And and listen, it's not comparison. It's not, well, you know, I'm pretty good at this, but there's other people. But no, it doesn't matter. You know, is is there better pastors than me? Sure, sure. I'm sure they're out there somewhere. But guess what? This is the church I pastor, and I do it the best. Come on. Is, is there people out there that can play the guitar better than this, sing better? Sure, I'm, I'm sure there's somebody out there. He's like, no, not me. Nobody's better. But, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, there's probably somebody that could play more, more chords and sing a little better. I mean, there's probably some, But is he the best here? Yes, he is. Because he uses his abilities. You see, God places us in life where our abilities can shine, where our talents can shine. Here's one. How about being a good father and a good mother? How about being the hero to your parents and to, I mean, to your children as good parents? That is something that I would take more serious than any of the other things. Steward that. What are your talents? What are your gifts? What are the things you have in your life? Number two, be responsible to put your resources to work in God's kingdom. Ask yourself this question. How can I be creative and clever to use these resources for the church. You might say, Pastor, I I don't know if my gift can fit into the church. Yes, it can. Just come see me after service if you don't think it can. It will fit. There is a place for everyone to be a part of God's kingdom and to feel a sense of accomplishment. I have done something with these gifts and abilities. Somebody who loves children, you can work with the children. Every time we have a service, there are people back there ministering to our children, teaching them Sunday school lessons. Any parent that has a child here knows the value, the value of what's going on back there. Boom, somebody loves children. There it is. Somebody has the gift of help. Somebody just loves to help out. There's the cafe here. Every service, there's something that is being helped. Transportation for those that need it. The cafe. The cleaning of this church. How many like coming to a clean church? All of the different ministries need people just to help out. Oh, and then it just goes well beyond that. I'm going to be showing you a picture today of our, you know, 20-year vision of Metro Praise. An architect made that. We drive vehicles that a mechanic fixes. 
We have church buildings here that are maintained by people who are crafted in their ability to build a stage, to do this. We have every single gift putting to work here. Every person has a gift. Ask yourself, how am I using mine right now? How am I using mine? Oh, you might be using yours real well right now with your company. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're getting promotions. But have you even thought about you using it for God yet? And then how about using, how did you know that income was all meant for you, by the way? Do you know that there's people in the Bible that actually took the income they made and gave it all to the church? Now, listen, I'm not asking to start a cult here, live on some commune, okay? But I'm being honest. Do you know that Barnabas actually sold entire properties he owned and gave it all to the church? There's people that God will bless your socks off if you can see yourself as a vessel of blessing. It to go to you and then through you. It's not just to stay to you. Sometimes we get so happy to say, this blessing's for me. Maybe you're holding on to somebody else's blessing God was trusting you with. The third thing, pray and ask God for favor, blessings, wisdom, and opportunities to serve. Here's the prayer I would pray. God, bless me to be a blessing. Grant me wisdom to act wisely and open doors for me to make your name great. Do you know that every person in the Bible, no matter what occupation they had, they used it to make God's name great? Do you know that there was a governor in the Bible, Daniel? He used it to make God's name great. Do you know that there was farmers in the Bible, Joseph? He used his ability to farm to make God's name great. Do you know that there were kings in the Bible that used their ability to make God's name great? What are you doing right now on your job, where you are, to make God's name great? You don't have to come to your job wearing a church, you know, a bumper sticker on your, on your shirt, you know, I belong to Metro Praise, or wearing some big, you know, neon thing that says Jesus loves you. Just do awesome at your job. And every time people compliment you, say it's all to God. It's all to God. Why, why, why is it the football player is the only guy that gets to go down and do that? How come after you make a big sale you can't say to your coworkers, man, I prayed for that. Come on, thank you, Jesus. How come you can't say that? They want to go to happy hour. How come you can't say to the places that you're at, I owe this to God? That's how you give honor to God, is when you become great in your everyday life, the people around you, you don't have to be preachy, you don't have to be annoying, it's just people around you know you're here because of God. You're praying that prayer. And lastly, never love the blessings more than the blesser. What did he say at the end? Because he's saying, man, I want you to have some things to give to others. I want you to be faithful in little so you can be faithful in much. And what does he say right there at the end? Hey, but don't love the money. Don't love the money. He says, use money to win souls. Use money to make friends. But don't love that money. Love God more than you love money. Now I know everybody here, if I, if I said, do you love money? Would you stand up? We're going to pray for you. How many know this would be an empty altar call? Nobody's going to come up and go, that's me. I'm greedy. I love money. So, so let me ask you a question. How do we know who's greedy then? Because obviously the Bible says there's people who deal with this. Can I give you a way to look at it? I want to give you an issue of the heart. Here's a question right now. Towards the end of our message. Are you going to serve God with your money, or are you going to serve money as your God? That's how you know. Is what you have in your hand, in your wallet, is that what defines you? Or is it a tool for God's kingdom? Whose is it? 
Because according to the Bible, you're just having it borrowed to you. That's not really your house. That's not really your car. That's not really your family. And that's not really your wallet you're holding on to. You know whose it is? It's God's. Are you using it to serve him? Are you giving it back to him? You know what's blown my mind is I've seen people come into church and and just conditions where they have nothing. And God begins to bless them. And then they have no more time for church. Where did you miss? I've seen people come off the homeless ministry. God bless them. They're homeless no more. And then they have no time for church. What are you doing with what God gave you? My friends, I want to challenge you today to be shrewd with what you have. I want to challenge you today to give it to God. I want to give you a couple of examples of how you can do it here. Tithes and offerings. Everybody say tithes and offerings. Don't worry, we're not taking them up again, okay? This is just a way for you to understand it. You know what a tithe does every week? Is it says, I love God more than money. Yeah, I don't care how you break it down. Everybody look up at me. I don't care how you break it down. You don't tithe. You're still struggling with that. You could say, oh, no, Pastor, no. I just, I got so many bills. No, you don't understand. If you can't say to God, my first goes to you, you're still struggling with that. You're still struggling with whose money is it? See, to me, it's his money. Every time I tithe, it's not to my church. Like, oh, I'm built. No, I've been a tither since the time I knew how to hold my own money in my hand. My daddy taught me how to tithe. My friends, and since that day, every time a little bit of money gets in my, my hands and my heart, oh, man, I got all this money. You know what God says? Give. You know, we just were able to clear debt this year. We, we were able to, to do things we never done in our life. And, and we got this tax return, and I had nothing to do with this tax return. I had no idea. You know what God said? He said, give the largest offering you've given to missions out of that boom. And then he said, you can use the rest to buy a boat. Come on. Oh, he's a good God. He's a good God. That's just my testimony. Your testimony's different. I'm telling you, God said, do it. And I have on record... The elders of the church, Ish, Berto, and David, and Adolfo, I all called up and I said, I want to use this right now to go to Mexico. I miss Mexico. we got to go to Mexico and others, and none of them could travel with me. And I said, okay, God, another time, another place. You see, my friends, you got to get to the point where you say, a tithe, that's God's. I'm not letting money have my heart. And you know what an offering is? It's you said, God, my tithe is yours, and now you've given this to me. I get to steward this 90%. God, what can I use to bless your kingdom? How many get a satisfaction when you bless somebody? How many get a satisfaction when you have the gift of cooking, you cook for somebody, you have the gift of hospitality, you have everybody over at the house? How many just get a satisfaction out of stuff like that? God built that into you. That is his nature in you. We all want to give. And listen to me, friends. That's why I love this, and we're not the church of Scientology, what Tom Cruise belongs to, because every level they go to, they have to pay more money. You know the beauty of the kingdom of God? It's 10%. So that means a youth, a child who just got a $10 allowance today can come in here and feel proud with honor and dignity and give a dollar to the Lord and say, I'm using this to help God. And this other $9 I'm going to get some McDonald's with and go see a movie. I'm going to give a dollar to the missions with. So the $8 now belongs to me to have fun with. But this too, I'm giving to God. He gets to do that with honor. 
He doesn't feel bad. It doesn't matter if somebody else comes in here and gives $100,000. Somebody said one time in the church, they came up to the pastor and they said, Pastor, God's been good to me this year. I'm going to tie the $100,000. How do I do that? He said, you write out a check and put it in the offering like everybody else does that. My friends, it's not all the $100,000 tithe. No, that's his tithe. That's, that's his tithe. That is what it is. I'm no more impressed with that than the other. God says, it all is a tithe. I love that about the kingdom of God. And then an offering. Here, let me give you another way you can use your gifts and abilities. How about these things? We talk about them every week. They're actually pretty cool, aren't they? They're the places where you get to go and have fun with your friends and family. But how about you begin to put in your heart, you want to do something there. Each one of the ministries that you're a part of, you can go up to them and say, here I am. What can I do to help out? And they'll be like, okay, let's start right here. But you know the beautiful thing about this church is nobody is overworked, including myself. Everybody here is based on the principle of a day off, putting family first. You see, this church honors your time. We're not going to have seven services a week and five-hour services. We do things efficiently. We do things in such a way that you can give as your heart desires and not feel pressured. Come on, somebody say amen for that. Because we don't want to burn out people. That's why I'm not preaching. I'm just another 45 minutes and I'm done, okay? I'm not preaching five hours. No, I'm kidding. Here's another thing you can be a part of. Look at this. My friends, if every one of us started using our prayers, that's a gift and a resource God has given us, and started taking some of our shekels and setting aside for missions, God would bless us so much. We would outgrow this building if we give them more. The ticket, let me just tell this to everybody, the ticket to our success as a church and as a family, individually as a family and as a church corporately, is to give to missions. The more we do for others, the more God has given to us. This last year, I've given more to missions in my entire life, and God has given more to me in my entire life. The last two years, we put missions in a place where we just talked about and talked about. This church has grown more than it's ever grown. More disciples. Because he always said, what you do to the least of these, you've done unto me. I want to encourage you with the heart for missions. Aren't God's parable, Jesus' parables pretty cool? He talks about us, doesn't he? How about this one? Everybody go, ooh. <laughs> How about this? How about, I want, to, I want to give you guys a dream now. How about we have a dream that's bigger than every single one of us? I can't speak Spanish, but I want to see a Spanish congregation every Sunday exploding. I'm not a teenager anymore, but I want a gym for teenagers that are, it's free to go to all the time. I'm not a drug addict, but I want a place for drug addicts to go. My friends, we sat down with an architect, a young man, Elliot. He's coming back for the summer. He's in uh, Philadelphia going to college. And we sat down and we built out our dream of where we want to go. We want to have a sanctuary that's like a movie theater where you can go in and pick from five different congregations in different languages and age groups and always feel on Sunday you're a part of a family so you never feel like it's a big mega church. We want a place where there's a cafeteria, restaurants, and free food if you don't have 
shackles, but you can stay in fellowship. That's what's behind the sanctuary. We want to the left side, a high school and junior high. For those that can't afford private, they can't afford to go to Catholic school, but they want a good education for their family. We want to have a lottery that picks, you know, the 300 every year that lets them get in there and get a good education at no cost to them. We want SUM Bible College, a place where people are trained in the ministry. That's the building to the right where they can get help. Then back to the far left, we want a gymnasium and youth center. Just everything you can imagine with youth, even a little bowling alley, ping pong, racquetball, tennis, I don't care. Just a place for youth 24-7 to go and feel like they belong. And then on the other far right-hand corner of that building, a community center, ministering to families, working poor, those that are struggling to put their bills together, classes, job opportunities, food bank, clothing bank, all of that right there. And then in the back, that track and field for kids to come and be safe. Somebody say, now that's a dream. And you know how we make dreams come true? With the hard work and the resources God has given us and prayer and asking him to use us. You see, I want to be faithful over little, so I'll be given much. Let me ask you a question. When God judges you, what's he going to see in your heart? Is he going to see a heart that said, man, I just want to do big things for God. This car, I want to use it for God. You know, you guys kind of laugh about this boat thing. Can I just tell you something really cool about this? You know, I got this boat because I've always wanted to be out in the lake. I kind of grew up, you know, on the lake. So I save up. I get this boat. It's not the greatest thing. It's like this old 84 boat. It's kind of like an old Chevy truck. Just think of it. That's really loud and big. But it's fun. And watch. I start asking the SUM students to come. But they're all so busy working that they can't take any time off. So here's me, Pastor, just with nobody else to hang out with because my, my schedule is open on these days that they're all busy. So you know what I do? I go to Craigslist, and I say, I'm looking for wakeboarding partners. Do you know that my cell phone's been blowing up with people that are like, dude, I want to go out too. Then I go to meetup.com, this place where people meet up with other people. It's like you want to play soccer or whatever. So I put wakeboarding on there. Listen, I'm so excited. Listen. Listen, this is awesome. These people, they charge to go on their boat. So if you want to go on a boat, they got to pay like $25. You know what I put on my ad? Free. My first meet-up day is this Tuesday. I want you to pray that people get saved. I want you to pray that lives are changed. And I'm not saying this to boast. I'm just telling you, there's not one thing that God gives me that I can't give it back to him. Because when you get in that mindset, everything just goes back to him. You'll get a new car. Well, that's great. I can fit some people here on my way to church. Oh, you got a bigger house? Well, that means I can have these people over more often. I can be more hospitable. Maybe I can start having a Bible study. Oh, I just got this education. That's so great. Now I can volunteer at the after-school program. Oh, I got this ability to write. Maybe I can start editing books for Pastor Joe. Oh, you know, I got this loving heart. Okay, I can go with, uh, you know, Eddie Berto to the prison. We can go to the nursing home. You just begin to see all these gifts and resources. You're always giving them back. You're giving them back. And God is blessing you. Because he said, what did he say? He said, if you're faithful and little, I'll give you much. Would you stand up with me today? Amen. Ishmael, would you come, please? Let's pray that God makes us good, shrewd stewards. As you stand up today, I just want to give you three examples of being shrewd with the kingdom of God. I'm going to use personal examples like I did with the, the Good Samaritan. The first example I want to give is of David and Aristotle. Everybody just give them a wave right there. When they first come into the church, you know what their business, their primary business was? Was making signs and business cards. The first thing David did when he came, there was no signs or just windows. The first thing he said is, 
we need some signs right here. With them going to the church just in a couple of days already, he was giving us these signs, and he was giving, I don't think we paid for them, but it's just he gave them to us, and from that point on, he just gives them to us at cost. You understand this? Boom, we need signs right there. Somebody say amen. See, think about that. Somebody say, I'm going to be clever. I got a gift. Let me use it. The other thing that I was thinking about was our young people. Our young people, the youth group, Elevate, each one of them decided they wanted to be a part of an internship. How many have done summer internship? Raise your hand. How many are planning on doing it this summer? Raise your hand. Come on. Adolfo led summer internship last year where they served this community. You know what we've done on summer internships? Wash cars for free. Every teenager has the ability to wash a car. Believe it or not, adults, they can actually clean something every now and then. We were washing cars out there. And how many know people thought we were doing it for the donation? We literally had to tell them, no, stop. we will not take your money. This is not for your money. It's a gift. And you know I like how like that Chicago price, like, hey, I don't need anything. You know, I'm fine. Like a little New York and all that. It's like, nah, I, I, I don't feel right. People just did not even know how to accept it because it just blew their mind. This year they're going to do things like that all this summer, serving this community, giving back free car washes, telling people thank you. I've got a ton of ideas for them to do. How about this one? Giving them free microwave popcorn, a little sticker on it that says pop in sometime. They go door to door and hand them out to people. Hey, just come check out our church. How many would think that's pretty cool? Not a Jehovah Witness knocking on your door. How many would think it's pretty cool if some of these good-looking teenagers gave you a free microwave popcorn and said, pop in at our church sometime? Isn't that pretty cool? You see, those are the types of things that they're going to be doing this summer. How about going to the park, giving out free bottles of water and fruit? Just saying, hey, we just wanted to stop by and help you, you and your family have a good time today. Do you know that there was a family that came to the church as a result of Leilani's witness? You remember Jackie? Where is Leilani at? You remember Jackie? She went, we went to Reese Park. I don't think we were doing the healthy stuff back then. It was Kool-Aid and like ho-hos and like crazy stuff. Then we switched, you know what I'm saying? We switched to like water and fruit. We were like, we're not helping this obesity thing here. We're, we're making this worse for these young people. So now it's like bananas and stuff. So anyways, you can ask Leilani. On her summer internship, she goes out there. She gives out the free stuff. Jackie comes. Jackie then moved to Urbana, Illinois. Her and her family are saved, baptized, serving the Lord. And she stopped in literally like a month ago just saying, what's up, family? She always emails me telling me how much she loves God. That was just the youth group helping out during the summer. And the last example that I want to give is from the SUM students. SUM is required to go to Mardi Gras once a year. Now, from Chicago to New Orleans, it's about a 340 to $400 ticket, depending on when you buy your ticket. So I sat down with the students because it was during the time we were fundraising for all this stuff we were doing. And I said, you know what? What if instead of we buying each individual ticket, we all put our money together and buy a van? Then we'll have the van after Mardi Gras, and then everybody can use it. 
They all agreed to it. And do you know, because of that clever idea, instead of them just all buying one plane ticket and just being there in three hours, they all suffered for like 16, 18 hours all jacked up in that van. But now Metro Praise has a brand new church van. Can you say amen? Somebody say clever. Come on, somebody say creative. Now say shrewd. That's what God wants to make us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for what you're doing in and through us. Lord, I pray for creativity and shrewdness to come upon us. God, not to be dishonest, God, but just to be clever, God, to use our gifts and abilities. God, maybe it's somebody taking their lunch break and sharing their their, their meal with somebody or going out to lunch, God. Maybe it's uh, somebody making friends with the, the person to the next cubicle next to them and having them over, God, for a Labor Day and just enjoying a barbecue together. God, whatever it is, God, we want to use our gifts and resources for your kingdom.